Hi everyone, this is Yulia with Mindful Education and I'm so excited to be here again with my friend Latanya Carter. Hi Latanya. Hey. I'm so excited because um, last time I was here we had a little bit of a co-working day and usually before we get started, before we kind of uh, look at our projects for the day and we set our agenda up, you know, we catch up and you were telling me about... Um, uh, your kids starting school and this whole transition that you went through, uh, first days of school and talking about, you know, that first packet that the teacher sends home and um, how your kids reacted in the morning. So um, as we were talking, I thought, wow, I so many parents, so many parents can relate to this. Um, we were laughing so much because the stories are so real. There is no sugarcoating it. Um, and what I'm really excited to announce is that you are going to be a regular guest with me. I'm so excited. Um, and we get to have these conversations that we would have normally, but record them and build a community of parents who are like-minded, who uh, can share their stories and, and learn from yours. And what I'm excited to do is, you know, when I, when I listen and we talked about this, is to sort of build a theoretical framework around your practical stories and see how well your, you know, um, actions, your beliefs, your, um, mindset and your values, all of that stuff, your relationship with your children, how that fits into the alpha parenting model and kind of go back and forth and have those types of conversations together. Absolutely. I love it. Yeah. So, um, so this series, um, is going to last through the entire semester. Um, we're going to try to record, I want to say at least once a week, right? Right. <clears throat> and that's going to give us the chance to cover, you know, what went on that week. And because you have a kindergartner, a third grader, an eighth grader, and a 20 year old who's starting UCLA, right? Well, she's third year. Third year third UCLA. Year. Yeah. Right. Um, so you have all these different perspectives, experiences, and um, to talk about and share. So I'm really excited about that. Um, and so to start it off, I'm just going to give you some space, let you introduce yourself, and um, tell me about what it was like that summer transition into the fall year, um, <clears throat> and some of the challenges you had, some of the victories you had, uh, and we'll take it from there. Okay. Hi. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah. I am excited also. Um, the idea came along in one of our conversations that um, I thought was brilliant. So thank you for having me. The idea was to follow the story. Um, and I like that because I think um, it's not a story that's mine only. I think it's definitely a story that more parents do, you know, can relate to. And so... Um, an introduction. Um, I'd like to start with mom because it's probably from the perspective of which I will mostly talk about, but probably my most passionate perspective as well. Um, I think that I do have several other perspectives that give me somewhat of a leg up in the parenting through um, the K-12 system. And that is that I have been a professor in college, so I know where the end game could lead and what it takes to get there. I've also been a teacher at a college, I'm sorry, at a charter school um, teaching math. 
And so I've been in the classroom. I understand the teacher's perspective. I understand what it takes to be the teacher who is um, wanting to reach every child and, you know, all the things that happen in a classroom. Um, I've been an administrator because during that time I was the chair of the math department. Um, furthermore, now I am a, a tutor, which, I, you know, I absolutely love because it gives me a one-on-one um, perspective with a student, especially when it comes to math. Um, building math confidence is my favorite thing to do. Um, when your student comes in and says, I hate math, math is not my subject, now I have a goal. And when you leave me mm-hmm. after the semester, you're going to be like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I didn't know. Mm-hmm. I love math. Um, love but also, I've been a student. Um, I have more degrees than a thermometer. <laughs> so I've been, you know, I went to college. I have a couple master's degrees and things like that. So I've been in school a lot. So I've been a student. Mm-hmm. And so I know what it is to sit in a classroom also. Um, so, yeah, that's my background. Mm-hmm. Um, my kids, as you kind of talked about, I have uh, the kindergartner, third grader, eighth grader, and then my college student. Um, so we'll be following the, the, the K-12 kids through the semester. I love the idea that, that there was a transition because <laughs> while you were talking, I was definitely thinking about the, the, the hardest transition I think was probably for my third grader. He's a little boy, mm-hmm. and he's the kindest, sweetest little boy in the world. Um, but he, not but, and, <laughs> and, and, but, is, I'm taking that in my We talked about that yes. too, right? And. <laughs> <laughs> and he loves gaming, you know? It's, it's his whole entire world. He would wake up every day and do it all day. As a matter of fact, in the summer, he didn't go to sleep. He, mm. he would stay up throughout the entire day and night and go to bed about 3 p.m. So one of the major things that we had to do in terms of transition for him was a fortnight, fortnight uh, detox. <laughs> it was like, it. yeah, it was, we had to get him on a, a plan that would get him back into school schedule and back on track. Um, but he, he's, he's a gamer who isn't really that interested in school anymore. Um, after he realizes, he, he told me, you know, I don't think I need to go anymore. Um, I know everything and anything oh. else I need to, you can tell me. <laughs> okay. Great. Yeah. So transitioning him was probably the biggest, uh, hurdle for me in terms of going from summer to school. Uh, the kindergartner of course was excited. Mm-hmm. It's my little girl, my youngest child. Um, and she, I think has the advantage of having all the older siblings. So she's known school for a long time and has wanted it. They would leave and Mm -hmm. go to school and she was still here and she just wanted to do the thing that everyone else was doing. She wanted homework. And so for her going into kindergarten was the best thing. She got to do what the big kids have been doing for years and what's the big mystery out there. Absolutely. So (laughs) it was not hard to get that excitement from her. Mm -hmm. Um, Now towards my eighth grader, um, we've had, uh, you know, just... Finding her interest um, has, well, we, we found it leaving elementary, but um, we haven't been able to actually hone in on that yet until this point. So she's trying out a new school this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and at this school, it's a performing arts magnet school. We finally got in. Um, it's like a lottery type pick. So um, with her, we, we it's eighth grade. So it's the last year there. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm still looking forward to taking advantage of the opportunity, though. Right. Um, and then my college student, um, she moved into her own apartment. Yay! So <laughs> that's big. She's like, 
a whole adult now. And, uh, <laughs> that's scary, right? That's, that's interesting, <laughs> okay. you know? I, I don't know uh, if scary necessarily, but I have completely adulted a human. <laughs> that's amazing. Like, Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I'll take it. So, um, yeah, that that's kind of the introduction to transition mm-hmm. for all of us. That's kind of where we started. Right. Um, the, we did have an orientation. I think I'll kind of jump into week yeah, one let's of do it. what happened. Um, the Monday before school started, there was a kindergarten orientation. <sighs> <laughs> Which, you know, for the kindergartner was exciting, remember? It's like, yeah. oh, she's so excited. And then we get there and there's this principal. And he's, we're in an auditorium and it's, you know, parents and little five-year-old children all excited Mm -hmm. and this principal standing in front of us all and he's kind of gluing down this is what I feel now you picture this this it's like he's telling us all the do's and the don'ts and the don't send them here and don't be late and if you lose your library book you come back after graduation and find out you can't graduate I'm just like wait what are we doing here like what I thought this was going to be like an exciting day and it just turned out to be this like I was in there taking deep breaths, trying to calm Mm -hmm. myself. Mm -hmm. You know, it was just not what I thought was going to happen. So here I am at this moment where I'm like, oh my gosh, am I doing the right thing? Mm -hmm. You know, my kid is terrified. We get home and the next morning she's like, it's time for school. And she's telling me, we're going to be late. We have to leave right now. And it's like six o'clock. I'm like, Mm -hmm. no, he he said we have to be there at eight. It's two hours from now. Mm -hmm. We have plenty of time. But it caused a thing in her yeah. that I that was disturbing for me mm-hmm. as a parent. And I just felt like, you know, why did we do that to them? Yeah. Like, what was the point, you know? Um, so we go to first day and, you know, starts off. First of all, we have to, I'm going to say that um, they're, the younger school, the elementary school is far away. Mm-hmm. It's like a 20 minute drive. Um, with no traffic. Mm-hmm. And then the middle school is 10 minutes away, but 50, about 15 minutes away, the opposite direction. Mm. So I'm going to have to figure out how I'm going to put all this together and make it work. Right. Um, we do that. And, um, you know, it's all we're kind of working out. We go to the school and it's first day. So I'm the mom that takes pictures. Okay. And I <laughs> made a stayed up the night before making a sign with my, my college student. Aww. Uh first day of kindergarten. And so of course I had to go in, <laughs> yeah, and take pictures. So we're doing that and I go up to meet the, the first grade uh, the kindergarten teacher. So we introduce each other I introduce her to my daughter and she continues she gets the name wrong mm-hmm. over and over. And I'm I'm reminding her over and over this name is that her name is and her name is and she just can't seem to get it. But and it set it didn't sit well with me because mm-hmm. my feeling is this is the name that I gave her. I'd really appreciate it if you would use it. Mm-hmm. And um, her response to me is, do you want her to write all of that? And I was like, yeah, she already does. Mm-hmm. You know, it's we were kind of ahead of this thing. So that it was, you know, a hard first day for me. Yeah. Um, the third grader, I could see him across the field and he's sad and he's like crying and he doesn't want to be there. And so... You know, my husband was with me, so I asked him if we could switch off. So we switched off, and I went over to check on him. Mm-hmm. And he just is, he's not even really giving me much words and just kind of the sad face. So I go to, I decided to go talk to the teacher. And the teacher, you know, I, uh, I'm, I'm in love with her, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> so okay, I love it. <laughs> she, I, I introduce myself, and I kind of give her the heads up that he, what he feels about school. Mm-hmm. And, 
and she engages me mm-hmm. and she asks me, well, what is he like? Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, okay. <laughs> and then I start to kind of give her, he likes games and he likes, he's a video gamer. And she goes, okay, well, what games? Mm-hmm. And she's really intrigued. I mean, she's giving me all the full attention and she's, I tell her the games, he likes Fortnite and he likes Minecraft. And she's like, I know all of those games. She's like, I got this. Mm-hmm. I know what to do. Like she was really happy to have that information and was planning to use it for his best purpose. Like, right. yeah. Um, so that was good. Um, all is well. We leave. And the funniest part or most interesting, I should say, mm-hmm. is that when they return, they had opposite emotions. <laughs> right. He returns extremely happy. Right. Loved everything that happened leaving, you know, that morning kind of sad and I want to be there, coming back happy. And then she went excited and ready to do this. And then she came back like, yeah, that wasn't what I thought it was going to be. So that was, um, it's a little ironic. It was. And we talk a lot about, um, our expectations, you know, how to expect the unexpected. Um, a lot of times we believe that we know a certain outcome is going to be a certain way. Um, you told me a little bit about that you assumed your kindergartner would have an amazing experience, come back home excited, and that you'd have a tough time with your third grader, um, sort of trying to convince him that school isn't this terrible place. Um, and yeah, it was the exact opposite. So it was. Uh, keep taking us through that. This I is guess, and so then, you know, with the eighth grader, the, the main thing is, and I think I've talked about her a lot because she's actually the defining moment for me, I think, as a parent in, in my personal transition um, through figuring out how to, to do this, mm-hmm. right? So, um, <clears throat> as I, and as I kind of said in the beginning is that um, she is more of an artist and she is interested in theater and dance and, and things like that. And so sometimes it's hard to find her fit in public school because that's not necessarily the highlight of what happens. Mm-hmm. And so for her, this new school is a performing arts school. So it's designed to be for this type of child. So I'm excited um, she had uh, terrible experiences at her old schools, and she has these report cards and these these notes and things that the comments that teachers leave on your report cards. I think when you're the new student at the school, what tends to happen is the teacher doesn't know you from the previous year, and they don't have the interaction with the other teachers to say, well, you know, you're going to get so-and-so. So what they do is they take the report card that you had to submit per your application, and they read that. And so if you take that information and only look at her grades and only look at her comments, then you form an opinion as a teacher. So right. you walk in and before you have ever met my child, mm-hmm. you have an idea of what's about to happen. So I had to all summer prepare her for the idea that she's walking into a new environment and that she needs to let go of any preconceived notions she had about school, mm-hmm. about teachers, because what had happened is with all of the experiences she had had, coming up to this point she had grown to think that teachers were you know not there for her and they were all there to make her feel bad and she had an idea of what teachers were and that's fair to what you would experience but you have to leave that there and walk into this new opportunity and I know that they've read that information about you but you have the power to walk into the situation and not perform to that standard and to be the person you are you are absolutely, and she is absolutely the kindest, most considerate, loving, caring person mm-hmm. who is amazing. And 
I just think that if you walk in with that, then they're going to be like, what in the world were those notes about? Right. Like you can change everything that happens from this moment on and it's all up to you. Mm -hmm. And so we just kind of talked that way through the whole summer, just talking about how we would do. And so that's kind of the position that, um, that's more of her transition. Um, I was not able to be there for her on the first day because, um, I was trying to take pictures of the kindergartner, right. but I did explain it to her. I was like, the thing is, is every kid I have has this first day of school picture. Mm-hmm. It's the first day of kindergarten. They all have the sign and they both have to be, they all had to be at school at eight o'clock. Yeah. Wow. Same time. How do you do that? So I yeah. couldn't, it was yeah. going to be impossible for me to go in and do that. So, um, we have a friend that goes to school there. And so I asked if they, we could carpool that day so that, and, and the thing is, is that I know she went to a new school, but you're literally dropping her off. Yeah. There was nothing we could do. We don't go in with the eighth grader, you know, you're dropping her off and she's the most outgoing person Mm -hmm. in the entire world. Mm -hmm. I have never feared her not making friends. She, I remember when we first moved here, she was at the new school and I think it was like week one of school. Mm -hmm. She was third grade and she was already asking if she could have a sleepover. And I was like, okay, you have no problems making friends. It's never been a problem for her to move schools or do something else. She gets people to be friends very quickly. Okay. So I wasn't fearful of like dropping her or having her ride with someone. Mm-hmm. So it worked out. So I didn't get much feedback from her until, of course, we got home because we weren't there for mm-hmm. meeting teachers or anything. They'll have an open house, I think, um, for that. But I think as far as the plan went, um, when she came home, she was like, I think my teachers like me. Ah, oh, wow. It works. Yeah. What you think of yourself will come out. Right. And if you think the teachers don't like you and you go in with that attitude, mm-hmm. yeah, that's exactly what you'll get back. Yeah. But that's not how she went in. And her response was, I think it's going to work. Wow. Beautiful. Yeah. And you spent the entire summer slowly kind of setting that expectation for her. You almost um, like brainwashed her to believe in herself. Absolutely. And that's what it takes because... Um, I talk about this a lot, you know, 95 to 99% of our thoughts, our emotions, our actions, they are actually controlled by our subconscious mind. And before you ever make the decision, you know, about something, your subconscious mind has already made that decision for you. And the thing is, and what my mission is, is to make people aware of that. Because once you have awareness that that's just how your brain works, you can start, um, you know, kind of setting the temperature instead of just reflecting it. So are you a thermometer that reflects your environment? Or are you a thermostat that controls your environment that says, this is my expectation and I'm going to set it to this and my environment is going to you know match that because this is what I'm bringing this is the energy I'm bringing so just that very simple um, visual that metaphor I believe is really powerful and the um, it's funny because you know what we talk about a lot is you have to let go control you don't know what to expect. Have an open mind. Think flexibly. You know, um, anything can happen. Um, but at the same time, what you do have control over 
is how you show up and how and how you you know um, translate your experiences so what you did for your daughter I don't know if you knew it or not you helped her reframe her perspective and you gave her that really important tool I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it I mean this is so powerful and part of the conversation we had yesterday uh, when we were kind of talking about this conversation was a that's exhausting as a parent to do to consistently listen give your child the emotional space where they feel free to communicate this to you, where they can open up to you and be vulnerable and know that they're going to be heard, they're going to be felt, they're going to be seen, and they're going to be understood. And even when you don't really understand, I love that you say stuff like, well, you know what? I don't have to understand where you're coming from or how you feel, but I'm going to acknowledge the fact that I don't. I'm going to give you more opportunity to help you help me continue to understand where you're coming from um and then i'm going to help you reframe and help you process things through different perspectives and help you develop that skill set so that when you are an adult you can do this for yourself you can do this independently i'm always going to be here for you but I believe in your strength and your power to be there for yourself. And to me, that is the main job of parenting, is not to raise a child, but to raise an adult. Mm -hmm. So what's beautiful about talking to you is, it's kind of like time doesn't exist mm -hmm. because you're experiencing this journey through so many different timelines. Your 20-year-old is ahead of the game in some respects, but you just told me she still, you know, comes to you um, with every little problem and issue. And while she has that bit of independence, there's still a lot that you're helping her do and reframe. And what I appreciate about you is the mindfulness with which you do it. You're really good at experiencing that intense maybe emotion initially initially when something's going on and you take a deep breath and instead of reacting you say to yourself you talk to yourself and you're like all right how am I going to respond not react but respond in a way that is going to empower my child to take action on their own behalf and to participate in their rescue instead of just coming to mommy and having mommy solve all your problems, right? So I love that you do that. And with every single experience, you learn and you grow. And you never, well, maybe you do, I don't know. Maybe you could talk about this. You know, we talk about no shame parenting. And no shame parenting means this. Um, mistakes are inevitable. Problems are inevitable. Chaos is inevitable. Emotions are inevitable. Mistakes are inevitable. Let's all learn together. Let's all reflect together. Let's have these types of conversations. Let's create that emotional space. And when you were telling me about how your children each transitioned, the big theme that I was hearing um, 
is uh, emotional safety. And as a parent, you provide that for your children, but letting go of the control of that is tough because here you are shepherding your daughter into her kindergarten classroom. Symbolically, that is you literally letting go of a huge chunk of control and entrusting that and your daughter and her, really, let's be serious here, her mental health is going to be morphed as a result of her interactions, her relationships, especially with adults, especially with adults in the position of authority and in the position of role models. We talk about in local parentis, schools are acting in the place of the parent. And what you have to relinquish as a parent is very difficult. It's to say, I am entrusting you with my five-year-old, my five-year-old and her impressionable brain. And that is tough. Absolutely. That's tough. And it's heartbreaking when something doesn't go as expected and it is very difficult to not react to that as a mom with your emotion with your instinct to protect what you you know what you hold most valuable so it takes a lot of courage because there is a lot of fear behind that and it takes courage to be the confident role model for her in that moment because she looks up to you. Oh, mom's smiling, she's happy, there's a big sign, we're taking photos, this must be great. And this little five-year-old is walking into the unknown. And P.S., so are you. I don't care how many times you started a kid off in school, it's scary every single time. You're nodding, I love it, you're smiling. (laughs) (laughs) It's scary every single time, it's new every single time, you have no idea what to expect. And as a parent, I bet You're crossing your fingers. You're praying to whatever energy you pray to that everything is going to go okay and that your daughter's initial introduction to this concept of school is positive. So we talked about, you know, the number one role of a teacher in those first few critical weeks, doesn't matter what grade you're going into, is... To create an emotionally safe space where your child feels safe to be authentic, to express themselves, to make mistakes and learn and not expect everything to go perfectly and smoothly. And we're sitting here crossing our fingers that this teacher is doing a good job of that and that it's going to set up the entire year. Um, So... Wow, I'm yeah. already in you know, that's You know what's so interesting about all of what you just said, and you're mm-hmm. absolutely right, and I always love, one of my favorite things about our conversations is that um, so much of this I'm doing um, from a feeling, mm-hmm. um, but I think that when I hear you respond to me, what I feel is so much bigger than just you understanding, but um, almost like... Um, you know, I knew I felt this way, but I didn't know that there was a lot to back up these feelings, you know. Right. Um, I mean, because one of the, the scariest things for me when I hear you talk about, like, letting go and being afraid and, like, the being the first day is that one of the most important things in my house is that, and it's probably also the thing that I get criticized the most for <laughs> as a parent um, and parent shaming, is that I, I give my kids a lot of freedom. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I actually love each person as the individual that they are. And I don't want to embark on that space mm-hmm. in a way that creates this need for them to change into something that they think I want. Right. I really ultimately want each one of them to be whoever they are. Right. And so to me, giving that freedom is going to allow them to, to form into the exact person that they should be. Right. Um, the hardest part about being that type of parent is that now I take all that freedom I gave them mm-hmm. in our home and I send them into a box, right. a.k.a. school, where there's this person who has their own idea of what that means. Mm-hmm. And most of the time that does not fit mm. or align with the way we are in our home. Um, so I find myself more afraid that I'm about to send them into a space that's going to be counter what I'm saying mm-hmm. is okay for them to be. Um, I'm okay with my kids questioning. Right. Um, I, I like that they question. Yes. They actually have really amazing questions. And I think that that's a great thing. Um, a lot of times going into the school environment, um, you don't have a lot of time to answer every question that a kid has. And so then you get shut down. So my fear tends to be more in what's going to happen. What are they going to lose? Mm-hmm. Or what do I have to correct when they come back each time? And with the youngest, she's kind of, if I had to describe her, she's a mixture of all the kids. Mm. Um, and I think that's rightfully so. I think she sat around for a, for five years just taking in like a sponge, right. all of the different personalities. You can pretty much see her, uh, you can see all the kids in her. Mm-hmm. She'll play the video games with her brother. She'll do dances with her sister. She's very, very um, into like learning and school and the academia of life. Mm-hmm. So she kind of embodies all the pieces. And so for me, um, watching her go into there with, the school was more about losing mm. something. Mm-hmm. Um, my biggest fear was her losing something. And so I really want her to know that it's okay for her to still question. Um, so one of the funny things to me was that she was describing her teacher and was saying, you know, she yells a lot. I was like, she yells? What do you mean by that? And she's like, well, she just yells all the time at people, at the kids. And I was like, okay, well, do you know why? And then she's like, no. Like, maybe you ask her. (laughs) And she was like, what do you mean? That's like, when you ask me why am I doing something, that's fair. Mm -hmm. As long as the context in which you do it is not, you know, don't blurt it out in class. You know, there's a a certain way to do just about everything, and it's okay, and it would be accepted. And I think that the response to things like that happens to be really well for her because it allows her to know that, she's a human just like this other person and that if I'm respectful to you, then I have the same freedom Mm -hmm. to just have a conversation. Whereas I think a lot of times adults have a problem with questions. Right. And I think it sometimes has to do with the way we do it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if I give her the tools and to, to still be the person that she is, then maybe we won't lose so much. I, I, I think my fear has mostly to do with losing my child. Yeah. Yeah. Watching her creativity slip away. Yeah. And her curiosity. Mm. Yeah. Just kind of diminish. I don't want that. Right. So I'm, I'm not afraid, I guess, but um, I'm going to be conscious and awake and yeah. aware and try to make sure that I'm not watching her slip away. Yeah. That's really important. Um, it's inevitable, almost part of that, right? Mm-hmm. Because she's not going to be five forever. Right. And she's going to go through a lot of growing pains, um, a lot of different transitions, and she's going to kind of get her footing. Sure. 
and I'm interested and excited to see how that unfolds across these conversations. Um, and what's beautiful about your relationship with all of your kids is that you invite them to communicate, mm -hmm. express themselves, and that you ask them open-ended questions mm -hmm. about their day. So um, we, we talk a lot about, you know, what was your high-low? Mm -hmm. um, and some of your kids are great at answering that question. Um, others are like, oh, you know, PE or recess was good, and, you know, everything else was bad. Yeah. <laughs> high-low. Yeah. Um, so what I love is that... Um, the relationship that you have with your kids um, is super healthy in that way. Um, no matter what's going on, you seek to understand them based on their words, but I think you also know the limitation of their words. Um, so I think that's wonderful. And what's really important to remember is that it's when you walk into a classroom and there's a teacher standing in front of you, it's hard to remember that they're human. And I speak to a lot of people and we think back to our own experiences in school and the teacher was not a real person. Mm -hmm. That was the teacher. You didn't expect them to have a life, to have worries or whatever feelings. They were the teacher and they like they were there to teach you and probably everything they said was right. And if they said you're wrong, you're wrong. And, you know, so what's really important in our conversations is building relationships, having healthy relationships with your kids, but also considering their teacher as a human with feelings, with their own life, with, you know, maybe they're nervous on the first day of school, um, and um, kind of trying to help, like, helping to build a positive relationship between you and the teacher and between your child and the teacher. Um, and keeping what I like what you said before you have like a 360 degree perspective here you're not just walking into that situation as a mom mm -hmm. you know you've been in that teacher's shoes Absolutely. you've um you've managed you know departments uh you've been a student you've had other kids so I what I love about you is that you go in with a very open mm -hmm. mind and that no matter what happens you temper your own reactions, your own emotions with that logic, you know, you, you back it up with logic, you think through your decisions. And that's what I'm excited about is that because that's what mindful education is, mm -hmm. is before you react, stop and think, think flexibly, look at things in many different ways. These are all executive functions. And, um, the freedom in your home, that's beautiful because the hardest part about developing your executive functions is that nobody can teach them to you. You can understand them, you can you know, be aware of them, and you can work little by little to improve them as long as you've got awareness and you're willing to do that. Um, but the main executive functions are um, your working memory, practicing, keeping things in mind, applying them practically throughout your day. Uh, another part of it is inhibitory control. So your inhibitions, not reacting on your emotions, on your impulses, and really making sure you're thinking through. So you modeling those very important executive functions, just being around your kids, what's going on without you knowing is that they're just absorbing that 
and what's going on in our brains we talked about before are these mirror neurons that are reflecting so everything that's going on in your brain as you're developing and using your executive functions literally you're it's it's doing the job for you of, of raising these adults of getting them to think that way and you know I say I say this a lot we should not expect our kids to act like adults. Mm-hmm. We should expect our kids to act like kids. Whether it's in the classroom, whether it's at home, whether it's on the playground, whatever it is, the biggest problem that I would say that parents encounter, the ones I work with at least, is they expect their children to act like adults. I've had so many of those moments, even in the classroom. I remember... <laughs> A couple years ago, I guess it was sixth grade, and um, this teacher was, all the responses I was getting from this teacher about my my then sixth grader um, was that well, she should have known better, and she should have known mm-hmm. this, and she should have known that. And he was, they were having basically this interaction as a sixth grader and an adult man where he was going back and forth with her mm-hmm. and he was responding to these childlike acts right. as it, from the adult place. Right. And when we finally had to come to this principal meeting with the teacher and the parent, because the teacher wanted to tell on my kid, which luckily for me, <laughs> I have an open relationship with my, my children. So for the most part, I already know what's going on. You, as a teacher, you're probably not telling me something my kid hasn't already said. Yeah. They come in and they tell me this stuff, so I already knew what was going on, mm-hmm. and he thought he was telling me something. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I was just like, look, <laughs> you want her to do the thing you're not able to do in this moment. Ooh, yeah. And here here we are sitting in this office, and you're telling mm-hmm. on my kid, mm-hmm. this is your classroom. Right. Own your classroom. Right. You know? And I'm like, how are you asking my my... 10-year-old kid to do what you can't do at your age. Right. Which is regulate yourself. Regulate yourself. And your emotions and your impulses and be respectful. And it's funny because um, when you when you look at it from this perspective, it makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. You know, you're stepping back, you're analyzing sure. things, and you're like, well, hold on, this doesn't make sense. Because what you're actually doing is you're taking a step, you're taking not your leadership role, you are actually unknowingly allowing this little child to lead this interaction and you're responding to their emotions and impulses with your own emotions and impulses and I don't care how well you know how to teach that subject Mm -hmm. no child is going to respect and listen to you as a teacher if they don't feel that you are in charge and that you own it enough to say oh all right, I'm going to follow this lead here. It's not something we do on a conscious level. No, sure. It's very subconscious. Well, I mean, I think I'm so glad you actually said it that way because the situation, I feel like I should say now, because based on what you said, um, she was taught, it was time to put your things away and take the quiz. Mm -hmm. And she was still talking, I think is what it was. And the teacher asked her not to say anything else. I think she drops her pencil and asks someone, could you pass me the pencil? Uh So here she is about to say something else. Right. So she says something, and the teacher's response was, okay, that's 10 points off your test. Ouch. Okay, first of all, <laughs> my biggest problem with that is that is not an academic deduction. That should be a citizenship deduction. Right. If you want to give her a U in citizenship, fine, but you can't. You shouldn't start taking points from the test. Right. So then she 
says something again because now she's like, you're going to take 10 points? Yeah. And then he goes, another 10 points. Oh. And it's a quiz. So at this point, she goes, well, I might as well not take the quiz. Right. She balls the quiz up, mm-hmm. throws it in the trash, and then he responds again. This is. Do you see where I'm saying? Yeah. This is it's an adult. Escalating. It's escalating. He's responding emotionally right. to what she did, and they're emotionally responding to each other. Right. Now, he wants her to stop responding to him emotionally, right. but he doesn't stop responding to her right. emotionally. But he's the adult in this classroom, and she's modeling what he's doing. Right. And now she got in trouble. Mm-hmm. He, um, She threw the paper in the trash, and then he kicked her out of the classroom. Mm-hmm. Now, she comes home, of course, and tells me all this. And so I ask her, why in the world would you do that? You know, why would you throw it away? She said, well, I had done the math and it was only so many questions on there and I had already lost 20 points. It made no sense for me to take this quiz. Mm -hmm. I was like, you're absolutely right about that. Let's start there. But number two, the throwing it away was definitely you sending a message. And is that the message that you really want to send? You owe him an apology for that part. I understand why you did it, but for throwing it away, you owe him an apology. So this is where we were at home. Mm -hmm. And then that's when I got the contact that we need to uh, have this meeting with the principal. And, you know, so I argue my point or, you know, to the principal that, you know, I don't think we should be taking academic grades from citizenship actions. Mm -hmm. Um, This teacher should not have been counting down her points. Do you know that that quiz, he made 50 points. Mm -hmm. So it made her have an F in the class because she had zero out of 50. It was the end of the semester Mm -hmm. and last day to turn in the grades. Mm -hmm. So he he had never, if you go back in the the e-school or whatever to see the grades, all quizzes had always been like 20 points, Mm -hmm. the most. Mm -hmm. So he didn't... Like, he absolutely made that quiz 50 points so that it would affect her in a major way. And so I, you know, I had to go in again and say, listen, this is not okay. Yeah. You know, this is not how, I mean, because she had an F in that class because yeah. of this one grade yeah. that he, so he sabotaged mm-hmm. a, a sixth grader. Yeah. Like, and, and, and she's somehow supposed to be bigger than him. Yes. And not respond to his action. Right. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. And um, the reason why I called my program Alpha Parent, and I know Alpha is this term we have so mm. much um, connected to it, we might already have our preconceived notions. But what inspired me by Alpha is that Alpha is the first letter in the Greek alphabet. Mm-hmm. And it also means to take the lead and to go first. Mm-hmm. And what that term reminds me of consistently, and what I hope it reminds parents of, is you go first, mm. tag your it. You're the adult. You've been around longer. You've had Mm. actually more time to develop your executive functions, your inhibitions, and you should know and be aware of how your actions are influencing these kids. So um, the situation is complex. We're not... I don't even care who's right and wrong. I don't care because the, the only thing that matters is whatever the adult brain nervous system is doing in front of your child's brain nervous system that those nervous systems are interacting Mm -hmm. and if one of them is emotionally dysregulated the other one is literally just going to reflect that Mm -hmm. that's biology that's neuroscience that's just what's going on that's how we have evolved to survive Mm -hmm. on this planet and to um to know that and understand that makes all the difference but that's, I think, one of the things also that we, you and I have talked about is um, in some of the research that I've done is that 
teachers learn to teach their subject matter, Mm -hmm. but they don't really learn much about the brain and how the brain works. And the things that you're saying right now are important for you to understand if you're going to be in a classroom, understanding what you do is going to be mimicked on this side. Like if you, once you really gain that, then you have to remember to take yourself out of the situation and make sure that you're performing in a way that's going to set the stage for what's happening next. And so much of that is missed in, I think, I'm hoping that, you know, I I feel like some of your work um, specifically will help teachers gain that type of perspective because learning, I think one of the things I read, which I really liked was that you would not expect a heart doctor to, to perform surgery on your heart and not know anything about how the heart works. He knows how to do surgery, but he doesn't know how the heart works. So, but that's what we ask teachers to do every day, go into a classroom and affect the brain, mm-hmm. but we never really teach them how the brain right. works. So they're affecting a thing that they don't know anything about. Right. So I think that they, there has to definitely be some sort of um, merge of information so right. that teachers are actually, you know, and this is never to take, um, I'm a teacher, so right. I'm not, this is this is information that I think I would have even wanted to know. Yes. You know, what? how can I help make this learning environment better? Well, I can learn more about the thing I'm affecting. Right. You know, so this isn't to bash any teacher ever no. because, this, you know, knowledge is power is is more than just a statement. It's saying, wait, the more I know about whatever it is, right. the more powerful I will be in that thing. Right. And so knowing that I need to know more about the brain to affect the brain right. is just no knowledge is power and that's it. And I'm, so I'm not saying, oh, teachers are bad or you know, and of course, I mean, I encounter good teachers all the time. Right. <laughs> I'm enjoying my experience right now with the teachers I have. Um, I mean, even with uh, my eighth grader, the first week of school, by the end of the week, she was like, do you think it's strange that um, I'm excited to go to school each day? Uh-huh. And I'm like, you know, in my head, I'm thinking, well, I think it's strange that she feels that way. But I used to love going to school. Mm-hmm. But she's never said that before. Yeah. So is it strange? It's strange that she feels that way. Yeah, but I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. Um, she thinks all her teachers like her, and she said, "I said, well, what makes you think that?" And she goes, "They smile at me. Aww. They smile. Yeah, that's all it's ever took. Yeah, come on, people. It's been <laughs> eight years in the system, and like teachers didn't smile at you. Yeah, she thinks her teachers like her. Yeah, because they smiled at her. That, so she just wants to go now. That's beautiful, right? That's literally like the most important thing. Honestly, if it were up to me." information has become such a commodity. Mm-hmm. It's it's everywhere. Um, you know, school used to be the place where you went mm. to go learn information and a skill. And you could, like, kind of apply it right after school, right? Like, right. Uh, it taught you how to sit still and follow directions and check things off a list and think linearly, which was great for, like, that job market, that economy. And now... I don't have to memorize my multiplication table. I have a calculator. I have, I can literally. <laughs> Do you remember when they used to tell us that um, you're not going to have a calculator right, right when you need it? Do you remember they never well, told you, know you that what? school? I don't have a calculator, actually. Let me correct that. I Wait, have what? a tiny computer. computer that literally connects to satellites in space, <laughs> yes. and I could talk to it, and it could tell me everything I need to know within a second. Yeah. I can watch a YouTube tutorial to learn yeah. algebra. I don't sit in a classroom anymore and listen to the teacher and follow directions there are so many alternative ways to share information we have become experts at 
you know, um, at communication, at learning. Um, and the classroom, I hate to say it, is just a bit outdated. And for me, all I want these kids to learn is that, A, you're amazing. Mm -hmm. You're a super computer. You're yeah. a genius from birth. Mm -hmm. That is your birthright as a human being. Your brain has evolved. You know, 10,000 years ago, there was no such thing as school. There was agriculture. You know, there were societies forming. And all you really needed to know to be a successful human was very simple. And what's remained consistent over the evolution of our brains is the fact that we have some semblance of control. We have consciousness. We have the ability to make the future, not just mm, kind of experience, right? I think, you know, I love that you brought that up because um, one of my favorite things to point out about this, the system that we have in place, um, and I have, to, I have to continue to say public school system because right. I'm not financially in a position to where I have many other options. So I do have to choose the public school option. Um, but about that system, if you take the moment that the schools were created the way that they are right now, mm -hmm. whatever year that was, 1908 or, right. you know, take anything else that was going on at that moment. Let's just take, just pick anything. Right. How do we get around on transportation? Oh, okay. Okay. Is, is, <laughs> has that changed? Oh yeah. Okay. Or, or like <laughs> the environment at that time. Right. Has that changed? Yeah. Did the workforce change? Right. Has it, everything from that moment. Yeah. I want you to just take, you can pick anything. anything. You can actually pick anything. Fashion. Fashion. You can pick anything. Hairstyles. Hairstyles. <laughs> we keep going, right? Yes. Now, take school. Yeah. The same year mm -hmm. and and tell me, is there still a teacher standing in front of a classroom yep. with kids sitting in rows yep. with homework, like whatever the textbooks, textbooks worksheets, work nothing about that thing has changed, but everything else around us has. Yeah. There's a problem. Yeah. There's a problem. And you want to know why my child mm -hmm. doesn't want to go to 1908 yes. and sitting in the classroom? <laughs> I love that. Are you kidding me? Yes. No, he doesn't want to be there. Yeah. And rightfully so. I don't either. Yeah. Can you imagine right now just going go sit in a go sit in a room and listen to a person rap rap rap. Yeah. Because that's what it sounds like. Charlie Brown. Wah, Charlie. Wah, wah, yeah. wah, 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 wah. If you're not interested, nope. if you're bored, yeah. and the this whole thing about executive function is, um, you know, your kids don't have those skills yet. Mm. They're developing them. And it when actually, does that happen? Well, let me tell you. Um, by age six, okay. what the research shows is that by age six, you've pretty much developed mm. your personality and like how you respond and react to things like it's kind of programmed into you but that your brain is elastic and mm. that as you continue to mature and develop um your your brain actually continues to grow it grows from the back first and mm. then it grows forward and your prefrontal cortex is that area of your brain right behind your eyeballs that is the control center to your brain that part of your brain um ironically develops through play and the most important factor in developing executive functioning early on is to have a childhood up to age six where you feel free. Your play is a huge factor because through play, we learn to interact with our environment, with the people around us. We learn um, 
lots of things through experiencing, through making mistakes and learning. We're so elastic. We're just absorbing. We're sponges. And we're actually super curious. We're like investigating stuff. When you see a baby like put everything and everything around it into its mouth, it's because its mouth is a sensitive area. It's got all these like taste buds and feeling receptors and it's forming an idea of the world around it we have all these senses like we can see stuff Mm -hmm. in color like that's amazing that's amazing evolutionary gift that we've been given so we're absorbing our environment we're forming these ideas as a baby you have no framework Mm -hmm. you don't have the um the baggage that you have as an adult you don't have all these pre-framed pre um Uh, you know, the little sound bites that kind of um, surround adults and kind of help us define our world. So as a kid, you're developing all these things. And the biggest, biggest factor is how much fun are you having? How safe do you feel? How free are you? Mm -hmm. So this concept of safety and freedom, that is at the core of health of our brain health of our the rest of our lives depend on us feeling safe Mm -hmm. because that's what unlocks the genius part of our brain um and feeling free um and so as a parent you're doing a wonderful job of providing that i just want to keep mentioning it (laughs) and a lot of parents feel like oh my gosh am i making the right decision am i doing this right yeah um but at the core i just want parents to know that if you can model confidence Mm -hmm. if your model to your child is you know what you may have had a terrible day things may not have gone as expected but I have confidence in you that you will be able to navigate. You'll be able to figure it out, and you're going to come out on top because that's what you've always done. And I'm going to remind you, when you're having a bad day, I'm going to remind you of all of your past victories, Mm -hmm. of everything you've ever thought was impossible, and then you did it anyway, Mm -hmm. of the grit that you have that's Mm -hmm. special to you, of your identity and where you come from, and what you can bring to that interaction. And um, something we have to teach our kids is that just because the teacher is in front of the room, in a position of authority, that they tell you what you know the rules are and all that stuff, that doesn't mean that they are right. Absolutely. That you, that why are you going to school in the first place? Mm-hmm. Oh, to, <laughs> Can, please. You, the reason my kids are going to school is because the government makes me. <laughs> like, that's, that's the honest truth. Yeah. I mean. So let's forget about school for two seconds. Sure. What does it mean to be educated? To me, when you are educated, you have the ability to perceive the world around you and come to your own conclusions. Mm -hmm. I love that. Come to your own conclusions. What motivated me throughout school, throughout all these experiences, was I want to know that I am able to think something through and come to a conclusion and say, I think that's what's going on. I'm going to continue to test it or whatever. But I got sick of adults telling me, oh, no, this is who you should be. Mm-hmm. This is what you should believe. This is the real. This is the reality. You should learn this. You should yeah. do this. Oh, you're good at this? Good. You're going to be successful. And I was getting mixed messages mm-hmm. as a child. And I remember, I'll never forget this. You know, I'm an immigrant here. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up with these two different 
worlds. And what I heard from my parents was so different than what I heard from, you know, the outside world. And what the experience was growing up at my house is way different than like the Americans around me. And so I was constantly given these messages. And one year, um, there was some, it was a political year and it was an election year. I can't even remember. Mm -hmm. I was so young, but I was just hearing, I was seeing all these political ads and one ad was like, vote this and this will change your life for the better. And that other guy's evil. And then I'm like, huh? Okay. I guess that other guy's evil. And this is good. I think this is, this, this is who I am. This is me. I believe that. And then three seconds later, another ad literally saying the opposite thing would come up and I'd be like, all right, this sounds pretty, uh, this sounds pretty convincing. I think that was wrong. And yeah, I agree with everything they just said. And apparently that other guy's evil and he's lying about this (laughs) guy being evil. And I just remember thinking to myself, I'm relying on everyone else around me to tell me who I am and what to believe. And I want to figure it out for myself. And I think this place called school I think that's going to help me do it. And these people called teachers, I can ask them questions. And looking back, um, some of that stuff was right on point. And others, like, wow, some of those teachers really did not do a great job. But what I remember in the conversations I have with people is that not every teacher is going to be your friend or the best teacher or it's not going to jive with you not every subject you're going to enjoy or believe is valuable to your life but looking back I'm grateful for the handful Mm -hmm. of teachers um, going back all the way to kindergarten who made me feel safe Mm -hmm. and who made me feel loved and who provided me with the freedom to be myself and to to learn who I am and I'm very grateful for that and so it's a mixed bag, I guess, is where I'm sure. going. Um, let's, I feel like we've gone on so many tangents, but hopefully they all kind of stem from the same center. Sure. So how, how would you summarize this transition um, for your kids? Like what you've learned as a parent, any advice you have? Um, what, you know, let, let's wrap it up. And, yeah, sure. Um, you know, honestly, um Number one is, I think I'm hopeful again. Okay. Um, I left last school year uh, just really not filling the schools we were in. Things were not moving in a direction that I felt were positive. The outcomes were not what I would like them to have been. Um, this new school year has started off, this is week one, and you know I've had a little hiccup here and there, but honestly, I'm very hopeful. Mm-hmm. Um I feel like that there's this possibility that what I thought needed to happen, you know, I I mentioned before about how things haven't really changed in the classroom. And I think my bigger picture initially was, oh my gosh, K-12 education, public school education needs this major overhaul and it needs to be changed so that it fits my kid's agenda. That was last year. I am now in this position where I have kind of figured out some of their interests Um, and I am moving and navigating now Mm -hmm. through that same public school system Mm -hmm. with an interest-based navigation for my child. Mm -hmm. And I'm excited about where this is going to take us because I think as a parent, it's probably more important for me not to knock the system and to just really focus in on what my kid Mm -hmm. needs are and then moving from that space. 
And right now, I'm just hopeful. Um, everything feels good. Mm-hmm. My eighth grader loves school. Yay! <laughs> and um, teachers are smiling. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm really just hopeful. So my wrap-up for week one is mostly excitement. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love – I'm so glad you're going to be here to <laughs> – enjoy this journey <laughs> with you <laughs> yeah we're gonna see where this goes I'm excited I'm I'm hopeful and um I said let's see where we go from here I love it yeah I can't wait okay. um my wrap-up points um are just for parents help your child frame their experiences if they have if they come to you with a negative don't you know, don't make your first reaction as telling them how they should feel. Let them express themselves. Assume that they're telling you the truth because they are telling you their truth. Um, Don't be so quick also to throw the teacher under the bus because teachers are people too. And um, what I think the best thing to do as a parent initially is to develop an understanding, build a good relationship um, with the teacher, make sure your child feels that they can come to you and express themselves and have a safe space at home and um, continue to do that. It's exhausting work, but I think the more and more you develop this space for your child, the more you're actually going to enjoy, enjoy talking to them and listening to them and really um, taking a backseat in terms of trying to control the experience and helping them develop the tools to navigate it. Um, and I believe the most important thing parents can do for their kids is to um, allow their confidence in their kids to shine through and remind your child that, um, you know what, I know it's it's rough right now, but I know you'll be able to figure it out. And I trust you, I believe you, and I'm here for you. And I'll be here for you. And this is, you know, sometimes it doesn't feel great all the time. And as a parent, what you could do is share stories from your own childhood. Because sometimes our kids look at adults and they think, well, you know everything. And you figured it all out. And you're perfect. And I'm not. And there's something wrong with me. Or, you know, and your stories are like, nope. <laughs> think again right. I'm still learning yeah. I'm still growing I'm still feeling things out and so I'm excited to be here as uh, somebody to help you reflect on that and to provide a little bit of like a scientific framework sure. um, behind it and what you said before made me feel really great um, you said I can feel my way through this but it's really nice to be able to hear it from someone else that I'm on the right trajectory Um, It gives me the confidence I need to keep going because sometimes this stuff is just exhausting and overwhelming. Um, And, you know, uh, last thing I want to say, take care of yourself. Check in with yourself. Ask yourself what you need right now. How do I feel right now? What do I need? Because when we take care of ourselves as adults, we empower ourselves to take care of those that need us the most, and that is our kids, and they come first. So with that, we're going to sign off. Um, and I can't wait for week two. So (laughs) 
Yay. I can't wait to talk to you again. Thank you so much for being with me. And thank you all for listening. This has been Yulia and Latanya. We're coming at you from Mindful Education. Please check out the website for more parenting resources. And we look forward to having you with us on this journey through LAUSD, um, through this semester. Um, We look forward to having more conversations. Bye-bye. Bye.